Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. How's it going, everybody? And a big thank you to all of you that volunteer in so many ways. And I just need you to know I love my church. I do. I really do. And that's you. And uh, it's a joy to be able to do what I do with the people I do it with, and it's good. You ready for some good news? They delivered chairs this week. Good news and bad news with the chairs, though. We have to put 700 chairs together. (laughs) So please charge your drills. We'll let you know when. And uh, you're going to be, if you want to back on the chair you sit on at church, you're actually going to have to put that on yourself, okay? (laughs) It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll get them done. Oh, it's great. We're going to be there soon. Man, things are happening. Hopefully, we'll get the sound system installed. Carpet is in. It looks so good, and it's going to be great. So bear with us a couple more weeks. We'll get there. We'll let you know uh, when uh, we're going to have that special day when we get to not come to the theater. Although, it's been okay here, hasn't it? Yeah, we're going to start a series next week called Lessons from the Theater. Uh, hopefully, it'll last two weeks. But I'll be prepared for more lessons in case some other delays hit, and uh, which has pretty much been the story of. Uh, good thing we've been here seven years. We might need a lot of lessons, and uh, we'll but we'll we'll get it done soon. Special thanks to my uh, younger brother Andy for filling in for me. Josh and I were up looking into college last week. You guys need to pray because we had senior night last Thursday at the football game, and uh, I've never done that before. It's not cool because here's why it's not cool. Josh just got cool, and now he's leaving. And that's not okay with me, right? Like, that bothers me. And uh, no, it's good. Uh, that's, that's what we raise them for. But this is, a, this is a fun season of life as our kids continue to, to grow older. We're in this series that, uh, that we've been for the last three weeks called Soul Toxins, knowing that we live in a culture where uh, there are lots of things that vie for the attention of our soul. And if we're not careful, there are things as well that can be toxic to our souls and have a negative impact uh, on our relationships with the Lord. So today we're going to talk about uh, detoxing our soul, and I think this is going to be one of those messages that we need to just pause before we begin and really ask the Lord to speak to us. Can we do that? Father, I thank you for what you've done in my heart this week as uh, I've prepared this message and as we've worked to prepare this experience that we've had so far this morning, and uh, Lord, I know that you want to speak to us and you want to challenge us, and so today, Lord, I just pray that you will help us to not be distracted, but that we would focus in well and that we would hear your voice and that your voice would challenge us and that it would move us to a new place in our walk with you than we've maybe ever been before. Thank you, Father, for the way you love us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I've shared with you guys before that one of my most favorite things to do is to fly fish. I love it. I'm horrible at it, Uh, but I love it. I love to be outside, I love to hear the river and feel the river, I love the occasional chance to hold a beautiful fish in my hand that I've caught, I love learning about fly fishing and trying to figure out how to cast and mend and present and all of those kinds of things, and one of the things that happens uh, at least once a year is that we get a chance, a couple of us that enjoy that, to break away, and we, we go up for a couple of days to Wyoming and fish on this amazing stretch of the river called the Miracle Mile. It's awesome. It's a kind of a sacred place to those that have been there, and there's some big fish in there. It's pretty fun. 
I actually had a chance to catch a 26-inch rainbow this year, which was pretty awesome. Good stuff. But something happened this year while we were fishing that I haven't told you about yet that uh, I think really fits with our topic this morning. So after we've spent a long day on the river, and uh, we usually eat really well, uh, we had a big dinner, and uh, the sun was going down. We gathered around the fire, and we stoked up the fire, and it's just this beautiful, serene, you can hear the river roaring, and we just start talking and laughing and enjoying each other's company and sitting around the fire. You know how it works when you're camping. It's just awesome. And uh, Stephen, Pastor Stephen, who was just leading here a minute ago, stood up <clears throat> and uh, put, turned his back to the, to the fire. And uh, he just stood there for a second. And then he turned around and he sat down. It was very weird because Stephen's a man of action. And uh, he, he sat back down. We didn't really think much of it. And a few minutes later, the fire was burning down some more. <clears throat> and so he stood up again, and he turned his back to the fire, and he just stopped there. Finally, somebody, I don't remember who it was, said, Stephen, what's, what's going on? And he said, guys, man, I think something's behind us. So Steve Barden, who is a man ready for anything always, had this great little LED flashlight, shines it behind us, and about six feet from where Stephen was standing... <clears throat> was a four-foot rattlesnake curled in striking pose, and as soon as we shined the light on it, it just took off. Not off, took off rattling, which, of course, caused some holy freaking out to happen. <clears throat> and uh, for those of you that know me well, know that like of all the things in the world, which there are many that I could be afraid of, snakes rank like way, way up there. So I'm now standing on a really nice folding camping chair, <clears throat> Hiding behind Pastor Gary, right? Like, as I'm thinking, hey, unless the thing strikes Gary and he goes down, I'm good, right? <clears throat> and there's a lot of truth to everything I just told you. I was scared. Like, thing is not... Well, and they tell me later that a, that, a, that a rattlesnake can strike twice its distance. So if Stephen would have taken a step, which he was going to, in that direction to go get the wood that was right in line with where the, where the snake was, uh, he could have been bit and it would have been horrible because we're out in the middle of nowhere, I mean, dirt roads and everything else would have taken us at least an hour to get him to the hospital. Bad stuff. Scary stuff. I tell you that story today because it was one of those moments where we were unaware of what was happening and danger was lurking right behind us. Not just danger, but danger with some pretty significant toxins, so to speak. And I believe the same is really true in our relationships with the Lord, that oftentimes we are very unaware of the danger that's lurking that wants to cause us to have toxic souls. There are lots of things that vie for our attention, and we've all experienced it from time to time, where we can almost be lulled to a place of complacency, not realizing how significant the stakes are in this relationship with the Lord that is one that we're supposed to foster that all too often we let just kind of go to the wayside. On top of that, we have an enemy of our soul that wants to so clutter it, wants to so disorganize it, that wants it to be so distracted from the things that really matter, and he knows you well. He knows what it is in your life that will cause this kind of distraction, so much so that it will be a toxic to your relationship with the Lord. 
The reason why we've been talking about these things for the last several weeks is this kind of foundational principle that we've talked about uh, for the last four weeks. You've seen it before. We're going to put it on the screen. I want you to read it with me. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And the reason why that's so important for us to be reminded of is that we live in this culture that is so focused on the stuff that's on the outside, and our incredible God cares about what's on the inside. So it's very easy for us to be distracted, and it's very easy for things to creep their way into our lives and into our souls and become toxic to our relationships with God. This is one of the reasons why I believe the first commandment, which we know well here at Plum Creek because we've got these cute little hand things that remind us of the Ten Commandments in order, which is, you guys are good, you guys are really good. (laughs) Exodus 23 says, you must not have any other God but me, first commandment. You must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for other gods. You see, the truth is that we've been created to worship. We've been created to connect with God. Why is it then that our souls are so vulnerable to be distracted by other things? Things that can even work their way up to the point of taking over the seat that God should have in our lives. Why? Why is it that we seem to worship other stuff so easily and so quickly if we're not careful? I believe the truth is that the reason that that happens is that we were created to worship and we're going to worship something. God created our souls to be connected with Him and when our souls are connected well, we're very different people. I'm a different person. You're a different person. Your relationships look different. Your outlook on life looks different. The way that you do your job looks different. The way you parent looks different. When we're connected well, our lives are different. Embedded in the DNA of who we are, we are worshipers. It's not something that we do. It's something that you were created to do. And anytime our souls are filled with anything but God, our souls are drawn away and pulled away by a counterfeit. This is exactly why so many of us can have our lives so full, yet our souls so empty. All the things of this world will not satisfy the soul that was created to be satisfied only by our God. That's why God said to us, as the first commandment, you must not have any other God but me. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, listen to this, in verse 16, it says this, So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol of any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, an animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. Verse 19, when you look up to the sky and you see the sun and you see the moon and you see the stars and all the forces of heaven, don't be, what's the word there? Seduced into worshiping them. It's interesting because we read this and we're like, duh, of course, I'm not going to worship a fish. Of course, I'm not going to make an idol of some little animal that scurries along the ground, right? We read this and we think, yeah, well, that's kind of irrelevant in our culture today. 
Now, it's important because we need to take a look at this word seduced because I think this happens in each and every one of our lives. And if we're not careful, there is danger lurking behind us that wants to deposit toxin into your soul that will corrupt your relationship with God. We read these verses about all of these things, the animals and the idols and all that stuff, and we just think there's just no way. Many of you know that uh, about a year ago, Beth and I and a couple of other pastors and their wives traveled to India, and uh, the purpose of the trip was to go and to see firsthand one of our partners that we work with here at Plum Creek that is rescuing the girls out of the brothels in India. And so we're going to hear more about this in a couple of weeks. Uh, It's going to be great to learn more about what they're doing and and actually have some of the folks that are on the ground in India are going to be with us in a couple of weeks. But one of the things that was obviously very different from the culture that we're familiar with here is that we were in a Hindu culture. And it just so happened as well that we were in India during this time of celebration that they call Diwali. Some of you that watch The Office might have heard of that before. And it's this celebration much like Christmas to us. When we flew in to New Delhi first, you could see lights like Christmas lights all over the uh, area that we were flying into. And then the next morning as the sun went up, and even as we were heading to the place where we were staying that first night, as we would drive through these little, I guess you could call them suburbs on the outskirts of the bigger towns, every single time we drove through one of these communities, There was a shrine that had been set up, and they were elaborate and colorful and just like almost over-the-top kind of shrine that during this celebration of Diwali, the folks in that community would set up their shrine, and then their experience of celebrating and worshiping would take place in this shrine. And there were idols in there, and there was things burning in there, and people sitting around in there, and it was just... I mean, it really will catch your attention. We were also at one point in this kind of fancy mall there in India, and we were walking through the courtyard area, and we were walking by, and there's this huge statue. Statue of a, one of their gods. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this, but they have over 300 million gods in the Hindu faith. And this god is called Ganesha. Here it is. Now, I walk by that, and I'm like, what What the heck is that? And the missionaries that we were with said, that's one of the most popular of the 300 million gods in India. And I was like, dude, that looks like a mouse elephant. And he was like, well, it is a mouse elephant. And there's little idols and big idols, and this, this idol is everywhere. It catches your attention because it seems so foreign to our culture, right? Like, it's just different so countercultural to us. We don't worship statues, and we typically don't worship, you know, things made of metal or wood or little figurines or worship stars or moons. We don't worship those kind of things. And when we read these passages of Scripture, we just, in our hearts, we know, like, I would never worship that. At first glance, it would seem like these verses are almost irrelevant in our culture today because we would never worship Ganesha. Easy to see that, but it's a lot harder to see the way that so often we do get lulled to sleep and begin to worship other things that can become toxic to our soul, things like money and resources or sex or power or prestige or possessions, relationships, fashion. Maybe it's our work and our jobs, sports, our kids' sports, our kids for that matter. 
entertainment, or worst of all, paint and manning. This stuff happens, doesn't it? It can creep its way into our lives and in a very sneaky way begin to take over that top spot that only God should have. We've been seduced into this kind of evaluating and dismissing and making excuses for the things that seem to work their way into our lives that maybe have more importance than they should. As a matter of fact, that's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, he said this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Here's my main thought for this weekend. You might want to write it down because I think it will prove helpful in us being able to pay close attention and prevent the things that are lurking from being destructive to our relationships with God. My main thought is this, consistent heart evaluation detoxes my soul. Consistent heart evaluation detoxes my soul. And I can tell you this, before we begin any further, the enemy of your soul does not want you to hear this. He does not want you to carefully and consistently do a heart evaluation. He doesn't want that because he wants you very distracted And he wants the toxicity level to increase in your soul. And he wants you to be distracted from the things that matter most. So if we're going to detox our souls, there's some things that we need to do. The first thing that we need to do is identify the idols in our life. What is it that we've elevated to the supreme place in our lives? What is it that ranks higher than our relationship with God? The psalmist said this. In Psalm 24, verse 3, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can be in God's presence? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And he who does not lift his soul to an idol. It's so difficult for us to see idolatry in the mirror. It's easy to justify and rationalize and explain away. You see, we have interests and passions and hobbies, and most of the time those things aren't idols. But I'm guessing that in almost all of our lives, there are some things that if we're not careful, they can become so important that they're actually very, very dangerous to our souls And the hardest part and the scariest part is that if we don't stop and evaluate and check our hearts, many times we don't even realize the danger. So here's what I would love for you to do this week. I would love for you to personally do this and then have a conversation with someone that you love and trust. Maybe it's a dear friend, someone in your journey group, or maybe it's your spouse, kids, talk with your parents, however that works. Here's the threefold test. To determine what it is that is potentially dangerous that is toxic potentially to your soul, what is it that you need to be high, on high alert to? The first thing you need to do is ask yourself, what is it that I spend most of my time doing? The second question is, where am I investing the most resource? And the third thing is, where is it that I, it seems like my conversations naturally go the most often? What do you fill your calendar with? The vast majority of your time is spent doing what? Beth and I had some great conversations about that this week. I can tell you that my calendar, our checkbook, and my conversations are very, very full of my children's activities. It's just the way it is. If I'm not careful, 
That stuff can become way, way too important. Where are you spending your days and your time? Where are you spending your money and what is it that you're talking about? I know this to be true. When I am dialed in in my personal relationship with the Lord, when I'm clicking on all cylinders, those of you that know me well, you know this, I'm talking about it because I'm fired up about my relationship with the Lord. And I venture to guess that you are exactly the same. When you are close to the Lord, when He's doing stuff inside of you, when there are no distractions that can work their way into your life and become an idol, when you're really dialed in well, you're going to talk about Him. You're going to talk about what He's doing and what He's teaching you. The things that we drift towards in our conversations, home and sports and fitness and kids' activities and online gaming and education, social networking, Can we pause there for a second? I need your help. I need your help because my kids are starting to get more Twitter followers than I am. (laughs) And so I need you to hop on and uh, Doug O'Miller is is what you need to, because I need to blow them away. And they do not have this platform. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll tweet out something that'll really challenge you. Okay, that's the deal. And I'm going to smoke my kids because we're just going to show them that their Twitter accounts are not that important. But we can get distracted because we have this odd relationship with our smartphones and our Facebook accounts and all of these things and our, our, the things that seem to be, uh, we obsess about our investments in food or obsessing about healthy living and eating or music and hobbies and pursuit of wealth. We're quick to dismiss these things and say, oh, that's just part of life. That's just the way things are. But we must take time to reflect. I believe this week is critical for you because we need to take time to reflect consistently and do some heart evaluation to make sure that our souls are detoxed well. Once you've identified something as an idol, what is it that we need to do? Scripture is very plain about this. The next thing that you need to do once you've identified it, it's not enough just to identify it. You've got to tear it down. You've got to tear down your idol. This is pretty fascinating to me that as I read in Scripture, God never says to his people, manage those things that could be idols. Just tolerate them. He doesn't say that. He says, tear them down and obliterate them. And there's almost this righteous indignation that comes when we realize that something is beginning to take God's place in our lives. It's toxic. We've got to get rid of it. Anything that is more important to us than God, we must deal with. And that's what God told Gideon as he was pushing him to a place of leadership. That he would confront the people and that it would begin with him. In Judges chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole beside it. There's this righteous anger that is coming from the heart of our God that says, Obliterate, cut down, do not tolerate anything that has the potential of being more important than me. We all have to do the same thing. Because if you just try and manage it, I promise you it will get... It will become more dangerous as the years go by. The enemy of your soul wants to destroy your soul, and the way that he does it is right here. Distracting your soul from your relationship with God, and we have to get fired up about this and demolish it and cut it down and destroy it. My greatest fear is that this week you'll be like, oh, Doug, come on, you know it's just the world we live in, and not be serious. Listen, I get it. 
There was a day where I was completely convinced that my kids were going to be in the 2024 Olympics. Knew it. So do you, right? Water polo. It's important. That's why my kids are on the traveling water polo team. They have private coaching and we watch film. It's important. I'm just kidding. My kids don't swim well, actually. But we're all convinced that these things are more important than they are for some of us in our career. And we get so caught up in that. That's just the way it is, Doug. I have to work these crazy hours. 80 hours a week, it's expected of me. Knowing that in the balance hangs our family and our marriages and our children and our teenagers that so desperately need a connection with their parents. But we decide somehow and placate it away that my pursuit of career is more important than my marriage and my family. What we don't understand is that we have toxin in our souls and what, what was dangerously lurking is now taking full effect and we've become the people that are worshiping a counterfeit and we're worshiping something with our lives that will never satisfy. And then we wonder why our lives seem so full but our souls seem so empty. When Jesus came across a guy who asked him this question, he said to Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This was a guy like many of us that was so overwhelmed and concerned with and even idolized money and things that Jesus said to him this. This is so powerful. I need you to see this. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and what? Loved him. He loved him. What he was going to say to him was motivated out of his passionate care for him. His incredible love for him. And so he went right to the jugular, the place where he knew it mattered most. And he said, one thing you lack, sir. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Why would Jesus say that to him? Was it because somehow Jesus and God are are frustrated with the fact that you may have resources, that you might have stuff? Is that what was so frustrating? No. You know what was frustrating? Not that he had stuff, but that stuff had him. That's what was not okay. And we live this in our culture so often. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus isn't going to ask you to tear something down unless it's moved into the top spot of your life or is dangerously close to moving into the top spot in your life. He's going to ask us to tear down anything that has become more important to him. So I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what it is that has found its way into your life and sneaky little enemy of our soul has deposited in you that you're pursuing that you're chasing after and maybe even tried to explain away, that if you have a moment of honest reflection, evaluating what's going on in your heart, you would say, that is a danger area for me. And if I'm not careful, it will be toxic to my soul. Consistent heart evaluation is going to help with this. So then what do we do? Once we've identified that something could be an idol in our lives and we have torn it down, what do we do? I think it's exciting. Because at the point of tearing down the idols, you now have space in your soul. And that space needs to be filled. And we need to fill it with stuff that really will help you to have the relationship that God wants. We need to fill our soul 
with God. Now, I don't know about you and, and how you read scriptures sometimes, but every once in a while, as I'm reading through the Psalms, I'll read the words of the psalmist and just think, wow, dude's got it going on. Got something I don't have. Have you ever been there? Listen to these words. The psalmist writes in Psalm 84 two, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I read that and I'm like, wow. How about this one in Psalm 107, verse 9? For God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Or one that we've heard before and maybe even some of you have have sung. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Can we just be honest for a minute? When we hear those words, when we hear things like yearns and faints and hungers, I would venture to guess that most of us have not used those words to describe our passion for God. Well, we might say that my soul yearns and faints and hungers for more money, for sweeter clothes or a nicer car, or teenagers for a hot boyfriend or a hot girlfriend, or perhaps for a husband or a wife or a huge 401k, for power, for prestige, for notoriety, for fame. Those are the things that my soul yearns for, that my soul faints for, and that my soul hungers for, but not God. I crave so often what this world seems to offer to my soul rather than what I know scriptures tell me will really fulfill my soul. You need to ask yourself if you've ever said these things, does your soul hunger for God? Do you yearn to be in his presence and to see your relationship with him developing? Let me try and explain it this way with a story that I think Max Licato, some of you know him, pastor and author, speaker, uh, once told. Once upon a time, there was a fish that lived in the ocean. Someone saw the fish and decided to take the fish out of the ocean. And so he took the fish out of the ocean and he placed them on an absolutely beautiful beach. As he was observing the fish, he saw that the fish didn't look happy. So he decided that he would try and pep up the fish a bit. So he built him a really nice fish house. That didn't seem to quite do it, so he also provided a really big fat wad of fish cash. You think the fish was happy? You know what happened to that little fish? As he sat in his sweet house with his big pile of fish cash, his little gills, just moving. The fish wasn't happy. The fish was literally dying on the inside. So this guy, being the great guy that he was, noticed that all the money in the sweet house wasn't helping that fish be able to be happy, so he decided he was going to give him a little fish Corona and a little Playfish magazine so he could check out the tail of another fish. 
And he observed the fish with all of these extra things. And do you think the fish was happy? Little gills starting to move slower. Had it all. Do you know why the fish wasn't happy? Here's why. The fish was not created for the beach. The fish was created for the ocean. You take a fish out of the ocean and you put it on a beach, doesn't matter what you give him. Doesn't matter what he has. He's not going to be happy. And the problem is that in our culture today, so many of us have done this exact thing. You've taken your soul from the place that it was created to be, and you've handed your soul over into another place entirely that is going to do nothing but let us down. And we try and placate it by throwing bigger and better and more stuff at it. Eventually, we finally get to the place when it's almost too late that we understand that the only thing we've done is put our souls in a very toxic place that will eventually lead us to death. But you see, that's not where God wants us to live. We weren't created to be on the beach. Metaphorically, of course. If your life seems empty, maybe it's time that you lower your expectations of what we hoped to get out of this world, and we raise our expectations of what we know to be truth, and that is our souls will sing when we're in the right place. When we are close to our God, we are different people. But if we're not close to Him, and we let all of this world's distractions distract when we're not dialed in with Him the way we should, it is a dangerous place for our soul. And what our enemy wants more than anything else is for us to be so far away from God that we begin to justify the things that have begun to climb the ladder to the place of worship in our lives. But here's the truth. You were not created for this world. You were created for the kingdom of God and for our God's glory. And friends, listen. Our souls, they will never be satisfied by anything that this world has to offer us. Now maybe for somebody here, this is really, really good news. Because you've never heard this before. I venture to guess in each of our services that we've had this morning, there's been somebody that needed to hear this. Because you've been trying to fill your soul with all kinds of other things. Only to hear today for the first time that your soul can be filled. That you can be fulfilled. That you can live in a different kind of, you can live a different kind of life connected to your creator. And when you do, you understand what you were created for. And that is connection and worship to him. That is good news for you. So stop trying to fill it with other things. Stop pursuing stuff that somehow this world has told us will take somehow the place of God and help you to be fulfilled in your life because it won't work. And you know that because you've tried. And so today, if that's the first time you've ever heard that or the first time it's ever really settled into your heart, stop looking in other places. Stop pursuing it in other ways. Get your attention on our God and allow Him to fill your soul. 
And the way that starts, will you bow your heads? If you find yourself in that place today, the way it starts, and if you just pray this in your own words, God, I know I need you. I've tried to find fulfillment and to have my soul filled in lots of ways, and it's come up empty. And so today I ask you to forgive me because I know I've sinned and fallen short of your plan for my life, and today I give you my soul. I give you my heart, and I ask that you would fill it as only you can. For the rest of us that are here today, what you need to know more than anything else is that our incredible God wants to be able to hear you say it is well with my soul. And even as Christ's followers, there are times that our enemy has finagled his way in and danger is lurking so close by. The toxins run so powerfully and easily into our lives if we're not careful. And if you're honest, you would say that there are things that have become a distraction. That maybe he've even caused you to have a toxic soul and you're not where you should be. If that's you today, would you just pray a simple prayer thanking God for the reminder today. And then this week, will you take seriously this evaluation that will help detox your soul? Father, I pray that you will fill us, that you will fill us with your love and with our relationship with you in a way that we've never experienced before. Will you help us, God, to not live with toxic souls, but to live in a place of connectedness to you that will so change our outlook on life that will change our hearts and our relationships. And Lord, the way we do this life, God, will you do that for us this week as we intentionally get focused in on what it is that might be moving into that top place in our life. Lord, we love you. Forgive us for letting other things take your place. Speak to us this week. Help us identify the idols in our lives. Help us to tear them down and fill us with you. It's in your name we pray.